At uh, 4 o'clock today, we're praying at Manchester Church of the Nazarene. You know, we have our monthly prayer on the first Sunday of the month, and uh, I don't know, there's some football game on tonight or something, so they're moving it to uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Just be aware of that little program note change. So um, we'd love to see you there at the Church of the Nazarene this afternoon. It's going to be good. So today's Baptism Sunday, and in light of that, I wanted just to do a short teaching on baptism to kind of to prep the stage for what we're going to be doing in a few minutes. Uh, so I have just two scripture verses that we're going to look at. The first is Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. So if you'd turn there, that'd be awesome. Acts 19, 1 to 7. There's, um, there are some differences, about opin- differences of opinion about baptism. Some churches teach that baptism actually saves you. Uh, I don't believe that, um, although I can certainly see the Bible verses because they use certain scriptures to, you know, to prove it, and I can definitely see where they get it from, but the whole council of scripture really doesn't teach that, I don't believe. And then there's the other side of the spectrum where there are Christians that, you know, basically baptism's almost nothing. It's just take it or leave it. And that's not scriptural either, to be truthful. So let me just share with you straight up what I believe about baptism, and then I'll show you from scripture why I believe it. And, and so that's, we'll just be straight out with it, okay? So I happen to believe this, that uh, no, uh, baptism... Um, does not save you, right? But if you are saved, you ought to be baptized. Can I make it any more blunt and clear? Uh, So can I, if I died, if, if I died without being baptized, would I go to hell? Well, no, because Jesus is our savior. It's about knowing Jesus. So getting baptized doesn't give me a free ticket to heaven and not getting baptized doesn't send me straight to hell. Follow? But if you have decided to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if God in his wisdom has chosen to give you you time on this good earth, right, then by all means get it done, my friend. Let's not put this off because it's a very important thing. And here's why I say that. Two scripture passages, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. I'll uh, just start with reading verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all some quick observations just from these seven verses. First, first, verse one, the apostle Paul runs into some disciples, they're called, in Ephesus. In other words, the Christians. Christians in the first century 
were called disciples. So here's Paul. He meets these guys who are disciples, followers of Jesus. And then his first question to them is this. Well, did you receive the Holy Spirit? That's an interesting question. It tells me something really important, and that is this. Not every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian can be. Every Christian needs to be, but not every Christian is. You say, what do you mean? Let me just, I wish I had, we can talk. This is another whole sermon. Let me fly through it real quick. So John chapter 15 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin and righteousness. So the moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, you know, and you asked him to be your savior, the Holy Spirit was at work when that took place. That, that was because the Holy Spirit convicted you of sin, convicted you of righteousness. He was at work. And then Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that when you gave your heart to Jesus and you asked him to save you, that God sealed you with his Holy Spirit. It's like he put the Holy Spirit on you as a stamp saying, remember the song, I am his and he is mine, right? God says, oh, this one's mine. And he puts his Holy Spirit on you as a seal. But that's different than the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is also different from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is a, what Galatians says. You, you, I've, I've got to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, I'm following his lead. He's got the steering wheel. He's directing my life where I go. I'm, I'm filled with him. And I also, Ephesians says, I need to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I leak. So stuff happens, and it's a constant um, relationship with the Holy Spirit that I'm in day in and day out. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's different than the baptism of the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit is an anointing of power that comes on you for service, I believe. So, life group leader, you're getting ready for your meeting on Wednesday night. You pray and you say, God, baptize me in the Spirit tonight. I'm going in. I need your power. I need your grace. I want to lead this meeting and honor you. I want, Lord, your discernment and your power as I minister to these people. Follow it? Grozone teacher, you're getting, going into your class, getting ready to teach your kids. I need a baptism in the Spirit as I teach this class because I, I, I've got to have, Spirit, I need you to lead and I need you to direct. I need your power to do this. Follow? That's the baptism of the Spirit. That's a very short, like I said, I wish I could... That's another whole message. So Paul's first question to them is, did you, get, did, you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? His second question to them was an assumption. Do you notice it? Well, then, when did you get baptized? By what baptism did you get? And they go, well, we got John's baptism. Notice he assumed they were baptized. Why? Well, because the first century Christians all got baptized. It's what they did. They repented of their sin, and then they got baptized. So Paul's natural assumption when he meets these guys is they got baptized. See, this whole idea that we have now going on in the church is really not biblical. This concept of I've given my heart to Jesus, and now I'm thinking about it for the next 40 years, whether or not I should get baptized. That's, that's not biblical. They repented. 
And they got baptized. So Paul says, well, baptism. Well, they go, John's baptism. And Paul explains to them, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Hang on to that. I'm going to explain that in a second. And then he tells them about Jesus. And then notice they get baptized again, twice. They get baptized. Paul baptizes them the second time in the name of Jesus. Then he lays hands on them, and then they receive the Holy Spirit, and they speak in tongues. And cool moment. Acts 19. Go over to Matthew chapter 3. And uh, Matthew chapter 3. We'll set the stage, start reading in the first verse. In those days, John the Baptist, he came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who spoke of, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Please hang on to that. Verse 6, confessing their sins, they were baptized. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Hang on to that one. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Hmm. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he'll clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John the Baptist, uh, you know, he defies all marketing logic, doesn't he? Mark, he, he would be a marketer's nightmare, really, because marketers tell you you've got to make your message slick, and you have to make it appealing, and you have to kind of put it out there where the crowds can get it, and John broke all the rules. He's in the desert, okay, not a, not a pleasant place, they had to go to him. They had to leave the comfort of their city where they were, walk miles into a desert to hear him preach. And then when they heard him preach, he's calling them a brood of vipers, telling them, who, who warned you? You ought to just burn, you know? I mean, John, not a pleasant message, right? He's got bug breath. He wears camel's hair, which has got to be itchy. I'm thinking that probably is what made him grouchy. I'm thinking I probably, if I was wearing that, right? He's there, and he's preaching his heart out. And he's preaching a message of repentance. Now, the word repentance is a great word. It means simply this, change your mind. The word repent means to change your mind. The, the Greek word for repent is metanoia, right? 
You know the word paranoia? So paranoia means a split mind, right? Para, split, noia, mind. Metanoia, change, big change, noia, mind. So the word repent just means to change your mind. So John the Baptist is preaching his heart out. Luke chapter 3, if you want to, you can reference that. But in Luke 3, you see some of the responses of the people that were in the crowd when John preached. So you've got um, tax collectors in the crowd. Tax collectors back then were known for ripping people off and stealing from people. Tax collectors, they're in John's crowd. Oh, man, I shouldn't have been stealing all this time. They begin to feel convicted for stealing. And they say to John, John, what do we got to do? And John goes, okay, well, stop stealing and get baptized. There were Roman soldiers in the crowd, Luke tells us. Roman soldiers were known for abusing the people. They used their authority wrongly. And so they're beginning to feel bad. They're feeling the heat in the seat, right? John, what do I have to do? I've been been mistreating people. And John's response to them was, stop being mean and get baptized. So, So John is preaching this way, right? In a sense, he's kind of softening up the people for the coming Messiah, isn't he? But John knows that his message is really all about the surface. Changing the mind doesn't necessarily change the heart. True? I change the mind about something and I change my behavior. These guys are not being mean anymore and the tax collectors aren't stealing anymore. And John would baptize them and the baptism became an external picture saying, okay, look at the old you, the thieving tax collector, dead. Come out of the water, now you're a nice tax collector. But still a tax collector and your heart really hasn't been changed. And John knew that. But he's, that's not what John came to do. John's preparing people for the one who would come after him who can change the heart. True? And then the day comes. Verse 13. Jesus makes his way out with the crowds. Okay? And verse 13 says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, hey, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Verse 15 is very curious to me. So John says, Jesus, no way, I can't baptize you. You're, he recognized. See, I think John knew a sinner when he saw one. John had baptized a whole lot of sinners in his career, right? And Jesus steps into the water, and John, uh, no, Jesus is not a sinner. Jesus is perfect. And so John's first response to him was, hey, I, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus replies this way, let it be so now. In other words, let's, I mean, that's an imperative. We've got to do it now, John. We're not going to put this off, John. This, this has got to happen today. And then he says, it is proper for us to do it, 
to fulfill all righteousness. That's interesting. Because Jesus didn't get baptized because he was somehow a sinner and he needed to repent of his sin and now he's going to be a nice guy. So he's not like the tax collectors and he's not like the Roman soldiers and the other people that were coming to be baptized. Jesus was already perfect. So what was Jesus repenting from? Well, the truth is Jesus wasn't repenting from anything. He wasn't repenting from sin. Jesus was fulfilling righteousness. You know, there's the best way that I, I don't know how else to, I got a couple ways to explain this. You know, there's, there's obeying God's command and then there's obeying God's heart, right? Which is better? I really want to obey God's heart, don't I? I mean, yeah, granted, God says, don't do this. Okay, don't do that. God has given commands that I want to obey. But then those help me also to know the heart of God. And that's what I want to really follow. True? I want to know God so well that I don't necessarily need him to tell me, don't do that. I just don't do it because I know what he would want. Does that follow, you follow that? So Jesus is not under a command to get baptized. But he does know the Father's heart. And he wants to fulfill righteousness. Um, maybe another way to use to explain the word fulfill is, you know, you can bake a cake and you can put the icing on it. And then you can put the sprinkles on at the end, right? Do you have a cake without the sprinkles? Sure. But the sprinkles fulfill the cake. Does the word fulfill make sense? Like it's... So, so Jesus is perfect. He's living out God's desire for his life. But he's fulfilling it by being baptized. Because he knows that that's what the Father wants. And so he obeys the Father's heart. And he gets baptized. He's already perfect. And then he gets baptized. Everybody else that John baptized were sinners. And they needed to get baptized in order to display their desire to change. Jesus got baptized because he was already perfect. And he's simply fulfilling what his father wanted him to do. Follow? And now you and I have the privilege. Why do we get baptized? Well, Jesus saw this as so important that he did it. And because Jesus saw it, as that important, I also see it as that important. Very simply put, that's why. And I don't do it in order to, and of course for me, follow, for me, I don't do it in order to get saved because my salvation took place here when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Right? But now, like Jesus... He's made me righteous. We talked about that, didn't we, a minute ago in communion? And now I also can fulfill righteousness by obeying the Father's heart and following his lead in the waters of baptism. And the waters of baptism are a great symbol. They symbolize my, the death to my old self and a resurrection to a new life. They certainly symbolize what took place in my heart on the day that Jesus saved me. 
follow. And that's why we celebrate baptism together as a church. Um, This morning, we've got five people who are going to be baptized, and I want to invite our worship team to come and, uh, or I guess just Aaron, or I don't know how, how or all you guys coming? I'm not sure how you're doing it. You, however, you worked it out. You do. Music, that's what we need. But 